Hey y'all, Pastor Emil here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is sweeter. Lots of things in life are sweet, but uh, this week we find out even more about what it is that makes Jesus so sweet. This is Sweet Week, or uh, (laughs) I just came up with that, Uh, Holy Week. And I'm sitting down with Brother Greg, and I am shocked <laughs> at his lack of awareness about Holy Week and and all that's involved here. And uh, I guess that's just a reminder that, you know, as Christians, we're, we're all about Jesus, but, w- you know, we're actually not all exactly alike. Uh, we do an awful lot of things differently. <laughs> and there are traditions that we think are at the heart of everything, <laughs> And yet there are plenty of us that are just like, huh? <laughs> what? What are you talking Let's about? Say, take Christmas, for example. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the Coptic Orthodox Church, or all the Orthodox churches, the date's not even the same as the Western world, yeah. world of Christmas. So which calendar do you follow? Epiphany is uh, <clears throat> Christmas in the East, right? Essentially, I think it's the... 12 days later in January. Yeah. Yeah. So with that in mind, what is it that you would like to know about Holy Week? (laughs) Well, I think I am like, even though I'm a preacher and I know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I I, I am a little lacking in some of uh, church traditions, maybe because I've been exposed to so many different kinds. I've never honed in on some in a practical way, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot of Americans out there who have heard the terms Ash Wednesday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and they have no idea what, what any of that means. Yeah. Why is Friday good? Why is Thursday holy? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to know that, you can always come to worship with us Thursday at 7 and mm-hmm. Friday at 7. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I went on. to the Ash Wednesday service. You right? did. You did. I, I, that was more for everybody else to, you know, that right, was a right, free right. advertisement I was taking advantage of. Thank you for right, just right. leaving the door wide open. See, I grew up, uh, at least when I was very young, Catholic, and I, and I wasn't really even a understanding that much about Catholicism. So I remember getting ashes when I was very young, uh, first communion confirmation, but I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know why I was doing a lot of what I was doing. And then when I got older and my grandparents died and I no longer went to mass, it just, if I didn't know what was going on when I was doing it, how much more do I not know what it means now? If, if I never continued in it, you know, I actually think that, um, the, the point of some of the liturgical things and the seasons and the rituals and all that kind of stuff is to provide a means of teaching mm-hmm. that is teaching biblical truths and, and biblical events, but it's it's doing it for people that maybe aren't reading the Bible or when you're young enough, you know, you're not necessarily, not necessarily understanding it. Or, right. But if you then become knowledgeable about what's in the Bible, I think you find more and more, actually, there are people that are looking back from some of these more biblically oriented, non-traditional church bodies or, or uh, non-mainline denominations. They, they sort of go, mm-hmm. 
they're 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 looking back now and go, oh wait, there's some really cool things that we can do mm-hmm. that would really help deepen the celebration around these times. And of something year. that helped me to understand that point you're making is Thessalonians, where Paul says, "Keep the traditions we have shown you," because a lot of uh, maybe evangelicals or non-denominational types they focus more on verses where Jesus says, "Your traditions have made the word of God of none effect." Mm-hmm. And so they just totally get rid of tradition. I mean, they all have traditions. They just don't call it that. Everyone has a tradition. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, I'll do a 40 day sort of fast, mm-hmm. but I've never really connected it to Lent. One time I tried it and, it, and I'm just like, nah, it just doesn't really float away. Uh, our church runs its programs mm-hmm. and ministries. We've always done it at the beginning of the year, January, a 40 day or 21 day or yeah. And, and it was just easy for us, our, our lifestyle. or So we always just did it that way. And, yeah. and that was the tradition. Um, now, I'm sure if we had more understanding of Lent and, and more people doing it and so forth, we, we could do it that way too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, all this stuff, you know, you said keep the traditions we taught you. And then there's also the other side of how this is not always the most helpful thing. Right? Traditions can become... <laughs> toxic, uh, you know, they can be counterproductive and they can become things that are way more important than the truths that they're supposed to be pointing to. So, I mean, I get that. Um, but it, it does seem to be helpful in just understanding the, the church year. It, it gives you, or, or just the whole story of Jesus and, and the story of the Bible. It gives you these repeated things every year where you're kind of like we're making sure we talk about these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think talking about the death, the resurrection of Jesus and the things that go into the rest of Holy Week. And uh, I think those are pretty, pretty important things to talk about. Um, and, and these are reminders to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't actually have to do that at open arms the way that I, quote, had to do that elsewhere. I mean, like where it was, oh, that's what we're doing. You know, like that's just, if you don't do that, I mean, you're going to have people looking at you sideways here. Right. It's like, oh, it's almost like I'm introducing it again, sort of, mm-hmm. um, not introducing it again. Like they don't know what it is at all, uh, but sort of, I, I hope it's a refreshing thing. Like, oh yeah, that's right. There are these things that help us point to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm doing them differently. So typically in the liturgical calendar, the church calendar for the year, the church calendar year, there are actually specific scripture passages and things that go along with all that. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I may do something with some of them for Easter and the Easter season, but uh, you know, I haven't really done that. But I've used the theme of Lent and the theme of... Easter, kind of the the main idea behind it to try and inform the 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 sermon series or whatever it is that that I'm doing. So, uh, but it it's good stuff. Ash Wednesday. I mean, wh- is there something bad about reminding everybody that they came from dust and they're going back to dust? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think that's good. Uh, Lord teaches to number our days, right? Uh, that we, we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
among well you kind of saw things. some of the comments when i posted my oh yeah my ash wednesday <laughs> picture <laughs> you got some people fired <laughs> up <laughs> Woo. yeah yeah and and i get that i i do i i love the traditions and the meaning that's behind it. And I also love that there are people that recognize that traditions can become hollow and become lifeless and dead and uh, that they're nervous about anything that smacks of, you know, uh, Phariseeism. And, and, you know, I, I think that's, I don't think that's a bad thing, but we shouldn't just be scared of something because somebody else does it. And I think that was the big thing. It was like, oh, that's Catholic. And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody very anti-Catholic uh, got got a hold of that comment thread. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so. And I think in the New Orleans area, especially, there's a lot of former Catholics. Yeah. So if, it, if you say Holy Thursday, if you say First Communion, if you, if you say some of these, yeah. The, yeah. you make the sign of the cross, they... Um, they, they, they don't think you possibly could be an evangelical. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, so, so then picture like our worship, right? Mm-hmm. You come in and it looks like a very modern worship space. There's a band, right? And no, I'm no difference. Yeah. I, I'm in a, you know, a polo mm-hmm. and sneakers, right? And then I start out and I say, Hey, let's make sure we remember the name spoken over us and our baptisms already saying something that, Already, Nobody in non-denom world has a clue. You already lost me a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that just comes from Matthew 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them mm-hmm. in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I just remember the name spoken of us in our baptisms. Mm-hmm. And so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, I see, I'm, I'm thinking my, like, uh, oh, you got a name, like confirmation? Yeah, no, no, like, no. Like I remember I had to pick a name when I got confirmed. I don't know why, but I picked a name back then. So you do that for baptism too? No. That's, that's the kind of thoughts people are going to have. Yeah. yeah. Well, but then I try to clarify it and say, uh, right, right. remember the name of our great and gracious triune God named Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now once it makes I, sense. Now it makes sense. Yeah, now it makes mm-hmm. sense. And then, But once I do that, mm-hmm. everybody's going like this. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, you don't have to do that. But but I've, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about just maybe how bizarre this oddity of what we do really is. It's just a mishmash. And then the Orthodox Church, it's this way. Wait, wait, which way you do it? You do it like this? Well, when I'm up front, I'm doing it as like the leader for everybody. All right, but you go left shoulder, right shoulder. I think it's right, left. I don't know. Right. Orthodox think, Church is the opposite. Is it? Opposite of the West. Well, that's like just because. You say, and the sun, we say, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Proceeds from the Father. That's it. Not the sun also. That's the filioque is kind of the schism thing that happened back in, was it 1054, something like that? That's their excuse for splitting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's probably a lot more going on there. Mm -hmm. There always is. But Holy Week... So we've kind of gotten off from Holy Week a little bit, I guess. Ash Wednesday, that was mm-hmm. the beginning of this season of Lent. It's this period leading up to the climax of Jesus' life and ministry, mm-hmm. his death and his resurrection. And so here we are getting close to 
Easter Sunday, and Easter is real is uh, tied to Passover, and so this is not something that's totally disconnected from Scripture, right? It's, so, so do Lutherans fast during uh, Lent? Not a lot of them, not that I'm aware of. But is that part of the Lutheran tradition? It's something that has been around. So you would spend that forty days making some kind of sacrifice, like. Stop drinking coffee, stop eating chocolate, stop this, stop that. Or you take something up, right? So here I'm going to be more intentional in my prayer life, my scripture reading. Um, I'm going to be in church more, and typically they would there would be church services, worship services offered more often. You can, you can eat often. meat on Friday? Yeah, that, that has, no, I mean, that could be something that you give up if you wanted to give up meat as right. part of a Lenten <clears throat> discipline. But it's not like there's no Lutheran churches that I'm aware of that say, well, as part of Lent, uh, you can't eat meat on Friday, so you better go support all those Catholic fish fries. You know, <laughs> like that's right, right. that's not it. That's uh, I think there, I actually read at some point, and I could be totally wrong. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm making it up, though. I know I heard it somewhere. That that all started, had something to do with some limited meat availability and or uh, some partnership with the fishing industry, <laughs> try and give them a boost. You know, some wealthy donor right. owned all the fishing boats. and I think part of the non-denominational versus the denominational world is you're going to have more variety in the non-denominational oh, world. Oh, yeah. For instance, Christmas. I know some churches where they'll preach against a Christmas tree because <laughs> yeah. Jeremiah talks about, a tree getting decorated and it's idolatrous and blah, blah, blah. And they'll focus on the materialism of Christmas. But you go right down the road to another non-denominational church and they're preaching, buy everybody Christmas gifts because the wise men gave Jesus Christmas gifts. And, mm. and this is a very important part of Christianity. Get, buy those Christmas gifts. What I'm saying is the traditions or lack thereof, are, they're all over the place. Yeah, And I mean... You know, maybe there's some principles behind what people are saying in this variety. So, uh, you know, traditions or lack thereof, there's reasons for it. Mm. Yep. Definitely. Like like for me, sometimes I've given a message and people are like, good message, awesome. And then we all go in to eat afterwards, me and some people in my church. And somebody will be, you know, just casually thinking, wasn't it Easter this Sunday? You, you didn't talk nothing about Easter. And I'm like, wasn't it Palm Sunday? You didn't yeah. talk nothing about... I'm like, yeah. you're, you're right. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> that, that's how it happens. There ain't no way I'm going to forget Easter. That's just, that's right, just right. the way it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and maybe that's because it's just been drilled into me. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, where I was going uh, earlier was that this isn't totally disconnected from reality i mean mm -hmm. passover is very connected mm -hmm. to holy week and passover falls at a very specific time that's kind of laid out in scripture is the easter date like the christmas date like a lot of people say we really don't know when christmas is we're just doing it around this time well so it wasn't the date so much <clears throat> passover is based off of uh you know the the hebrew calendar the jewish calendar it, it's it's uh, based off of uh, a lunar calendar. It's uh, it, it's not. It doesn't fall on the exact same date. Certainly not the date within the mm -hmm. 
Gregorian calendar that we used. And that's the one we use, right? That's not the other one. Mm-hmm. Gregorian's either the old one that we got rid of at some point or the new one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I always mix those two up. But uh, it so it doesn't fall on the exact date. That's just not the way it worked. Right. It, it has to do with the full moon and the, the first full moon after this and all that kind of stuff. And right? is Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday exactly 40 days or no? No, actually it's uh, 46. 46, 46 and, right. But what the church, you know, folks that put this whole holiday together, the calendar together, what they did is they took out the Sundays because every Sunday is like a little Easter Right, so you should always sort of be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus whenever you meet on the Lord's Day. Right. And, yeah. and then how about this word? Because I see this word lots of places. Uh-oh. Easter tide. And then, no, there's, and then there's all these other holiday tide. What does that mean? That's a great question. I don't know. Oh, it's, okay. it, I, I mean, I know what it is, mm-hmm. but I don't know the background or why. Gotcha. Okay. It's like Yuletide and, right. you know, this tide and that tide. And then there's second Easter and third Easter. Well, Sounds like Lord of the Rings with second <laughs> breakfasts and like. I know. <laughs> well, I'm reading some of these liturgical books and trying to figure it all out. So, <laughs> so what they're probably referencing is like on the, on the traditional liturgical calendar, it, Easter Sunday is the beginning of the season of Easter. And so what you're probably talking about is like, Easter 2, Easter 3, that's the second Sunday of Easter. Okay. So that would be the Sunday following Easter Sunday, which typically most churches around the world would read. And this is actually the re- one of the reasons why this was true is because this was what the church was doing, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like somebody imposed it. It was this is what the early Christians were actually doing. They were reading Doubting Thomas the Sunday after Easter everywhere, every year. Right. And, and and it makes sense because that's when it happens that, in the Bible. That's kind of the direction I wanted to go because if you're a Catholic, I'm not Catholic. I'm not, I don't believe Catholic doctrine, but I know Catholics, they travel with us in sports and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they can go to any church anywhere and it's going to be the same they thing. They know, they know what they're walking into the, to the, a degree. The, yeah. yeah. To some degree, they go through the whole Bible, Apocrypha, et cetera, but it's very predictable and, and, and they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. They, they can actually go to any Catholic church and they're prepared. Yeah. Whereas us, if if just the non-denominational world, if you go from one church to the next, you might be totally unprepared. Yeah. Um. So so there seems to be some blessing in the unity, but I guess legalism always creeps in to some degree. So that's why we have to wrestle with these traditions. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No. <clears throat> well, well, ritual is actually one of the most calming things. As, as human beings, we need rituals because the rituals help ground us in the midst of a, you know, a, a pretty chaotic world. Like that, so, as an example, the Our Father prayer. Mm-hmm. Some people say that's just a model kind of telling us when, when you first pray, you say Our Father, Lord God, something like that. Whereas other people are saying, no, 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 you literally pray the Our Father. And, and you can even pray it a lot. And, and God's going to move if you say that prayer a lot. So are the traditions models or, or something you always literally follow? You, see, you kind of see the nature of my question. Is the Our Father prayer a, a legitimate prayer to pray a lot, or is it more a model? I think it's both. Mm-hmm. And that's see, I a, treat the Psalms that way. 
I, I literally play to pray to Psalms. I like them. Yeah, we've been through that with the right. Celebration of Dis- Discipline book, right? Mm-hmm. And it's actually a good thing. And and why is it a good thing to read the Psalms, to pray the Psalms? It's easy. Number one, you don't have to always. I think some people stress out in prayer because they're always trying to find what the, do I say? The right yeah, words. I don't even know and, what to say. Right, right. Yeah. And, and and I could see where the rituals and the calendars could help even a preacher, because you. A preacher might, you feel pressure, oh, i got to come up with a new message every yeah, Sunday. But if you got a calendar or something, it's a little easier. Yeah, you can so. you can plan out and everything. But what else is good about praying the Psalms? I think you've said this before. That's why I'm asking you this. That's why I'm kind of... Well, I mean, I, I, it's the Word of God. God hears His Word. So, yes. Um, Type of worship. But what does it do to your prayers and to your faith and your spirituality. I guess build you up and give you confidence, boldness. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. but it also is, I mean, it's giving you words to say, like you're talking about, Mm -hmm. I don't know words. Well, now it's, it's actually teaching you how to pray. Mm -hmm. Right. So the more you pray the Psalms, you more, the more you pray the prayers of David, (laughs) Mm-hmm. the more your prayers begin to look like that. And right. and sometimes you don't even have to read it. You just know it like because you've read it so often and you've said it so often. It's just that's mm-hmm. your thought and you're drawn to the word. Right. Well, I think it's the same idea with the Lord's Prayer. It's that if you pray that prayer, <clears throat> it's an effective prayer. It better be. I mean, Jesus, if David's prayers are good, well, then Jesus' prayer <laughs> I mean, better be good too, right? Mm-hmm. But it also helps shape your prayer life also. So you can take that as a, quote, model prayer. And if you don't know what to pray, you just start with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But then it's like our Father. Okay, so I'm not alone. I'm not a lone ranger. I'm one of many of his children. But is that a corporate prayer? Or is that in your prayer closet? Should you say my Father or Father instead of our Father? I'm just... I, I don't know. I mean, we could dance around this thing for hours, I'm sure, the right, two right. of us. But uh, I would say both, you know, your prayer closet. <laughs> yeah, our Father. We're You're in your closet, but not because you're not you're supposed to be disconnected from other people. He is not just your Father. He is our Father, right? Right. And uh, And immediately you're thinking, I would hope at that point, at least I am right now. What about my brothers and sisters in Christ? Mm-hmm. What about all these other people? What are their needs? Mm-hmm. Right. And you're already off yourself. Right. Uh, our father who art in heaven. Right. So who is in this uh, place separated from sin and, and death and brokenness. And then holy is your name. Wow. And, and, and it points you to, praise initially actually right like so mm-hmm. your name is holy uh, how be thy name thy kingdom come your kingdom right so now we're thinking about your rule your reign your ways and purposes your will what you want accomplished uh, on earth as it is in heaven I, there's a there's a lot you can do with that it's instructive but it's only instructive insofar as you know it right like if you don't know it and you can't think about it at a moment's notice and put it back together, right? then it's not really instructive. <laughs> it's not the same way. 
But talking about tradition and rituals and all, I think it's always been a struggle in the church because j- just take the Jews, for example, mm-hmm. or even Jews today, if, if they come to Christ. Some say they have to abandon all the feasts and festivals of the Old Testament. And others say, no, we, we should do them even more. And then how do you do that if, if there's Gentiles in your congregation and the feasts are designated more towards the Jewish ethnicity, I guess. And I'm just bringing that up because, say, we, we have our own traditions, denominational, mm-hmm. non-denominational, and then we're, we're bringing in lost people or trying to share the gospel. How much do we try to teach the traditions should those come first, or, or should we teach the word first, oh, or a yeah. combination? Uh, the traditions it, are probably, you know, they should take a back seat, I would imagine. I mean, those are, <clears throat> the traditions are helpful insofar as they point to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Sweet Jesus, right? What, right. What's the point of all this? It's, it's, it's pointing people to Jesus, and, mm-hmm. and Holy Week does that in a really, I think, profound way. It's not the law. Right, like I don't know that you have to do this, mm-hmm. but here's an opportunity every year where you're surrounded by you know millions of other Christians around the world that are talking about these events, and these are the events that are are critical, right? I mean, like without these events, there is no Christian church. You know, so this is really crucial. It, it's not like it's not just which is why Passover was so crucial for uh, the Jews because that is kind of their. I mean, it starts with Abraham, yes, but it it really they become a people called out and and chosen by God through the events of the Exodus. I mean, that's a huge, huge piece of their identity, and, and without it, you know, they're just slaves in Egypt. Right. Right. See, I, but I, I used to be more like those people who commented on my picture mm-hmm. because when I was first exposed to a lot of those traditions, I didn't understand them. Yeah. And when I did come to faith in Christ and kind of understood the Bible and a relationship with God, it's like I intentionally distanced myself mm-hmm. from all that. Now I feel like I can, I can come back to it and, get more out of it now than back oh, then yeah. when yep. I was actually doing more of it. Now it makes yep. more sense, even though I'm probably less familiar with the formality of it. It's there's some really great stuff. And I, I think I was trying to get at that earlier too, that we can scare people away usually because people don't have an understanding and, and people aren't trying to explain it clearly. They're just, this is just what we do. It's right, easier, right. Is it, right? It's easier to boss people around and tell them, just shut up and do it, okay? <laughs> right, right. That's easier, but that's not the most helpful. It's easier in the short term. It's actually harder in the long run because now you got all these people that are doing all this stuff and like, why am I doing this? And that's where they get that. Well, I call them CEO Christians. CEO. Christmas Christian. and Easter only. Yeah, <laughs> CEO. I, I go to church Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> or or Christers. Yeah, like that. Is uh, Christmas and Easter, yeah. But you know, at least they're they're hitting the big, they're uh, making the big highlights, right? Right. Uh, but it's it's helpful. It, it it really is helpful. How how could you go through a year without talking about the fact that Jesus died? 
How can you go through a year without talking about the fact that he rose again? How can you go through a year without talking about how he sat down for this Passover meal with his disciples, his last meal, and while he was doing that, you know, he got up from the meal and he took a towel, he washed their feet when it was probably one of the most important needs that they may have had and also one of the needs that was really the most disgusting and gross and I mean, it was meant only for the lowest of servants. And uh, how can we not talk about the fact that before he goes, he says, hey, here's this meal. And it's going to be hard to do the stuff I just told you about. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard to share the gospel. And, and you're going to have some tremendous persecution and, and temptation. Here's my body. Here's my blood. Eat and drink. Do this. And and I'll be with you and, and I'll be strengthening you and, and blessing you. Um, I mean, those are some really, really important moments, important teaching moments. Uh, some of the, the most important words from anybody are kind of their last words, right? And these are some of his last words. These are the things he's making sure he takes time mm-hmm. to uh, say before he goes. So, I mean, that, so Holy Thursday is really Maundy Thursday. It's, it, you could say either one, right? But it's uh, the night on which our Lord Jesus was betrayed. It's his last meal. And it's, uh, you know, he's sharing the Passover with his disciples. He takes time to wash the feet of the disciples. He gives them the meal, uh, communion, the Lord's Supper, the <laughs> Eucharist, Um there's there's a lot that's i mean that's pretty important stuff it's yeah i think the anti-traditionalists are going to have a hard time fighting easter (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean without the resurrection there's there's no christianity but i but i do tend to listen to them sometimes when they mention things like christmas okay the christmas account is found in two of the four gospels whereas the easter account would be all the gospels i think Mm -hmm. and uh, Christmas seems so commercialized and uh, yeah. it doesn't seem to have to do a lot with the scriptures um, sometimes, depending on how you celebrate it. So uh, I think what the church tried to do with some of these traditions is um, obviously people celebrate holidays, pagans, anybody mm-hmm. celebrates holidays, which is kind of a corruption of the word holy days. And so we definitely should have holy days, which can kind of evangelistically pull in the unbelievers who understand the idea of holidays. But sometimes it seems like the holy days have become more like holidays instead of the other way around. And and people aren't uh, grasping what's going on and they're not, they don't really have a true relationship with the Lord. Well, and and that's why we we're talking about it, Mm -hmm. right? Because people do lose sight of it. They, they lose, sight of the true meaning, the true purpose, it gets lost in the way the world just screws everything up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, they just really do. Christmas, why is it about gifts? Well, because there's this guy, St. Nicholas, who was an (laughs) actual dude, Mm -hmm. but who loved... Bishop in Turkey. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. he he loved Jesus, Mm -hmm. and he was going around blessing people. Mm -hmm. He was like, I think he was like a rich guy that kind of was renouncing his wealth in a way or renouncing his mm-hmm. position and, and was just going around blessing people. And the story about 
uh, a father with three daughters who couldn't come up with a bride price for them and so was going to have to, you know, do something else with them. And one night they get gold in the socks that are drying above the mm-hmm. uh, fireplace, right? And and so be, becomes this holiday now where we do like, <laughs> goodness gracious, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> I don't even know, you know, and this like strange man flying around in the sky with reindeer and, um, you know, hopefully we're not, uh, this isn't a spoiler for any children that stumble upon this. <laughs> you know? Parents. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think we just need more of a connection of the word of God to the, the ritual, the holiday and and. And we'll see more fruit from it. Um, once again, just memories I have of Easter. Uh, my aunt, my aunt, you have to make an Easter ham. You have to come over to the house, and we're all eating the, the Easter ham. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, and we did that. And I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really know what it means either. <laughs> I mean, I you know, right, right. Uh, I would say lamb, but aren't we celebrating the fact that the lamb is raised? <laughs> yeah. It would make more sense if we ate lamb. <laughs> uh, it would make more sense if we uh, had a dead lamb and then the lamb popped out of the oven alive. <laughs> that would be resurrection. Right, right, right. I'm not sure how easily you can make that happen though. <laughs> yeah. I think the more we understand these things, the better, but, but people crave ritual. Right. So the things you're talking about, I think, are more about people and family. And mm-hmm. when you have rituals, it's a reason to get people together. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can sort of guilt people into coming to Easter ham, right? Mm-hmm. And to Christmas and all that kind of stuff, you know, where there's this sense of obligation and there's this uh, sense of tradition, this sense of um, nostalgia and, and coming together and all the things that come with it. Um, is it required? No, but it's good for something. Every culture has it. Every religion has something like it. There's nothing wrong with having it, but if it becomes, a, you know, the end in and, of, in and of itself, if it becomes a rule and you get punished if you don't do it, well, that's not really making it the gift that it was intended to be. You right. Know? Uh, but uh, Holy Thursday, uh or Maundy Thursday. Maundy is just coming from a Latin word that means command. And and when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet at the end of that section, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another. And uh, So foot, will, foot washing is on Holy Thursday. Foot washing is on Holy Thursday. Not every church does it, but actually we're doing it here Thursday night. Yeah, I know there's some denominations. Foot washing is a ordinance as much as communion, communion and, and baptism. baptism yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, I, <laughs> I, I think there's something to that. I think I could. It's not in all four of the Gospels, mm-hmm. but it sort of feels like Jesus is telling us to do that. Whether he means it literally or figuratively, I, I'm not entirely sure. Washing feet today is not the same. It's not the oh, same. If I meat. tried that in my church, it'd be rough. <laughs> it'd be very rough. Well, come be, on it, out. It, it'd be like playing with snakes or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we're gonna find out what the folks here think on Thursday night uh-huh. because we got this uh, this guy, well, a couple, him and his wife, really, that 
have been talking to me about foot washing for months mm-hmm. that they wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. And it just never came together. And then finally he was talking to me about it. And I said, well, you know that this happens in the Bible on Holy Thursday, on Maundy Thursday. That's when it was actually done. And here's a prime opportunity to do it. And so he all excited. And here we are. We're going to do it right outside before church. So from like a quarter to five until a quarter to seven. Mm-hmm. So about two hours where there'll be a hose and, and all kinds of stuff available for folks to do that, to either have their feet washed mm-hmm. or to wash the feet of others, right? And so uh, one of the things he mentioned on Sunday, I think it was, and then I've been trying to say since, is that uh, what a wonderful way to commit to sacrificial love and service for your spouse for your kids, you know, you wash their feet, they wash your feet or, you know, or at least one of them symbolically to say, Hey, I love you. I'm here to serve you. Jesus loves me. Jesus served me. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to do the same and it starts at home, right? It, it, you know, we're always thinking about like, Oh, I got to go do it for this person or that person. Well, where are you every day? That's actually where it should start. And if you don't start there, you can't really, do all the other big stuff. Mm-hmm. But then after that, we're going to have first communion for about eight kids at the actual service that starts at seven. And why do you do that? Well, because sacrificial service is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not easy. That's what we were talking about in the last chapter of uh, the book, Celebration of Discipline, right? The the effort to serve confronts your pride and confronts the culture of the world in, in almost all cultures, there's some kind of pecking order, right? Mm -hmm. And here's Holy Thursday. Here's Maundy Thursday saying all of that stuff doesn't count. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. in, in the world where Jesus is King. It's the last who are first. It's the servants who are great. It's, it's all about, this and uh it's it's awfully hard to do i mean i'll i'll do one thing really nice for my wife or my kids or something and i'll just be patting myself on the back and then five minutes later i'm like get out of here why are you making my life so difficult and (laughs) i can't stand you and uh, why can't you just do it right why can't you just help me why can't you just and so uh we need something and and what does jesus give us he gives us his body and blood at least that's what a Lutheran would say. It's what a Catholic, I think, would say. I think there are some others that would say it, but if you ask them their theology about it, they would say, well, it's present in a, in a more spiritual way. Mm-hmm. Catholics say it actually changes from bread and wine to body and blood. Lutherans would say, well, it sure looks like bread and wine. It sure tastes like it. It sure smells like it. And Well, it is bread and wine. But somehow the real body and blood of Jesus is there. And what does the body and blood of Jesus do? The body and blood of Jesus pays for the sins of the entire world. (laughs) The body and blood of Jesus overcomes sin, Satan, and death. This this is where I think traditions come into. um, I think some things in the Bible are a mystery. Oh, yeah. And God reveals the mysteries to you if you have a relationship with him. 
and the mystery cannot necessarily be revealed to anybody. It has to maybe be caught more than taught. More than taught, yeah. Because not everything in Scripture is black and white laid out. They're, they're, Far they're, less is right. black and white than we like to think. Right. Yeah. But that's why we call it <laughs> a sacrament. At least Lutherans do. Catholics do. The word sacrament just means the sacred mystery for the very reasons you just pointed out. Like, how is it? That's why I appreciate the Lutheran approach to it because we just say, hey, Jesus says it's his body and blood, but it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But we're just going to kind of stick with what Jesus said, whether we can explain it or not. Okay, this brings up a good question. So you have people who believe in the word sacrament. Some people don't like that word at all. Well, because they don't like anything Catholics do. Right, right. But, but some of it has to do with their theology. Uh, they'll use words like ordinance, maybe. Okay. Um, because their fear is they don't want rituals, traditions to uh, cause people to think that's how you receive grace. See what I'm getting at? Well, so... And that, and that works into your theology of salvation and see where I'm kind of headed. Yeah. I think we actually did talk about this once and we would actually say that it's the exact opposite mm-hmm. that when you call it an ordinance, then now it's a work. Now it's something you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's something that you're doing to be obedient. You're doing to be faithful. You're doing to earn some kind of, you know, extra notch in your spiritual belt. Mm-hmm. But for us, we say, well, how does it happen? I don't know. God does it. Why does God do it? Well, because God loves us and he wants to give us his grace. Why is he using this stuff? Well, actually, we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but God has a history of using stuff. Second mm-hmm. uh, Kings 5. But is he limited to that stuff? Can, can he work in other ways? Yeah, I mean, does does God give out grace apart from baptism? Yeah, or communion, or any you know any any of these or things communion, we're, we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, does does God act graciously to people, even <clears throat> when they're not up at the altar receiving communion, or when they're not baptized, or whatever? Yeah, God is a, a loving and gracious God, but it's actually humans that don't like stuff, and when we don't like stuff, we're being like the first heretics <laughs> we're being Gnostics, Gnostics right? right? And mm-hmm. so Gnosticism is this first, you know, uh, first heresy early on in, in church history where they're essentially saying that, you know, Jesus really just came to give us knowledge. That's Gnostic is Gnosis. It's information. It's like secret mm-hmm. wisdom that Jesus, if, if we just get this wind wisdom, this information, well, then we'll be free. Right, right. And part of being free is being freed from the uh, prison that is this material world. But uh, when was the last time you made water? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right, like, right. I mean, bringing together hydrogen and oxygen molecules and, and putting them together, or atoms, I guess, into molecules and and making mm. them become water is one thing. But where did... When was the last time you made hydrogen and you made oxygen and and you put them together? Right. None of us have. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. those are profound mysteries, even to scientists today. I mean, they still can't figure out half of this stuff. 
Right, right. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be trying. I'm just saying that ultimately. Now, I'm not opposed to stuff. I mean, like, I've prayed with for people, laid hands on them, anoint them with oil, you know. Yeah. I I like stuff, too. And and I think a judgment can come if you don't take communion properly. And That's 1 Corinthians 11. If you believe the Bible, you should believe that. (laughs) But the the ordinance people Mm -hmm. who, who I'm... You know, I'm trying to listen to them. I'm trying to listen to the yeah, sa- yeah, sacramentalists. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, you know, balance it all together. I think some of their concerns is, well, grace comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. Mm-hmm. Putting your faith in his blood and the cross. If we put too much faith in a tradition, a ritual, et cetera, we might, we might be taking away from the cross. Yeah, that, that, that's their argument. Well, and I appreciate it, and I know lots of people and love lots of people that think exactly what right. you're saying. Right. But do you realize how ridiculous that sounds? <laughs> like, what if we accidentally take communion mm-hmm. so often that we forget about the cross? Mm-hmm. What are you actually celebrating? <laughs> like you're celebrating the cross mm-hmm. right there. The the body and blood of Jesus is... Well, you know, I guess people go know, through the motions and, you know. Well, but see... And, but, you can do that even in their churches. That's right. right? right so right. it's not, mm-hmm. so wouldn't it be better to do it with something that Jesus commanded us to do mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. than to do it with a thousand other things that, you know, people get caught up in all the time. And there, there's right. thousands of rituals that we do or and things that we don't do and things we talk about the way we say things. And there can be people that look really pious and really right, right. into it it's like oh yeah i really i'm feeling it i'm feeling it. and they walk out and it's just like no that was all a show i mean I, I don't think like a lot of the ordinance people like the ordinance people think the sacramentalists is that a word sacramentalists yeah they they really a lot of them see the sacramentalists as works oriented mm-hmm. I, and, and i and you're saying they're kind of works oriented which, which makes sense too the, the, yeah. the way you're saying it and, uh, you know, I, I just try to hear from all sides and the body of Christ and, and, and I'm not opposed to works. I mean, the, the Hutterites go to church seven days a week. I admire that. The Amish work 15 hours a day. I wish I could do that. I, I, I like works. <laughs> faith, faith without works is dead. I'm just trying to figure out what's, yeah. what, what's living works. What's dead works. What, how, how do we do this Christianity? Well, well that, <laughs> I, I think that's, you know, you got these two sides like you're talking about and I'm not trying to hate on anybody. I'm just trying to yeah. uh, explain and I, uh, well, I think it ties into this talk of tradition, ritual, Easter. It's going to make more sense if we can oh, yeah, yeah. R- wrestle over it. You, know? you can, you can go through Holy Week and it can be a completely dead and useless thing for you if you don't know Jesus. Right, right. If, if you're doing it because you're checking off a bunch of boxes to make sure that you're good with Jesus, then you totally missed the point. Right there, there's actually um, I, maybe I can pull it up. Mm-hmm. There is a guy, this guy Tullian Chavidgin. Mm-hmm. He's the uh, grandson of Billy Graham, I think. He's an interesting guy, and he's got um, quite a history too. Mm-hmm. But he really, really, really <laughs> hammers on grace um, because he's needed it. There it is. Good. Okay. Um, he's fallen pretty hard and pretty publicly and 
and because of that, he he gets that at the heart of Christianity, although there are works that are part of it, although uh, there is you know there's ethics and there's a view for society uh, and and all these other things that are certainly biblical and certainly part of Christianity, they are not what make Christianity what it is. Mm-hmm. What makes Christianity what it is is the fact that this week Jesus does it all. Uh, he and and I just saw this meme he put together. I, I saw it today. The events of this week tell us loudly that God's commitment to clean things up is infinitely greater than our capacity to mess things up. Mm-hmm. You know, so so as bad as we have made it, mm-hmm. as terrible as we have been, as incapable as we are of cleaning up our own mess. Jesus has a desire to clean it up for us, to be with us, to save us apart from ourselves mm-hmm. and from ourselves and in spite of ourselves and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's what it's all about. And if you're doing it to earn something, you missed it. You completely missed it. That doesn't make Jesus sweet. That makes Jesus just like Muhammad, just mm-hmm. like Buddha, Right. Just like anybody else, you know, in Buddhism at the end, what is what are some of the last words of Buddha? He says something like, in the end, just keep on striving because <laughs> you never know if you really got it right. So just to be safe, keep, right, right. keep trying. No, I mean, I like the way you describe uh, the rituals, the holidays. I think that perspective actually helps you understand the Old Testament because mm-hmm. yeah. the just shall live by faith. I think God wanted them to do all that stuff in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, through faith, not not through legalism. Even though it was a bunch of laws, he still wanted it done through a faith base well, relationship. And it was it became legalism because they did the things that were easy and the things that were easy to use them to oppress others and to make their life difficult and to make the ones who could do it feel a lot better about themselves, which were typically the people with power and money, right? Right, right. But what were the things that they didn't do? There is no evidence that I've come across. <laughs> I, in fact, <laughs> I've, I've read this several times in several places. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence that they ever actually celebrated a jubilee. So, so in the Old Testament, there's a Sabbath, mm-hmm. and then there's um, a week of Sabbaths. So you have these festivals where you stop working for an entire week. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Sabbath year, which like every seventh year, you let the land rest and you rest. And and then every seventh Sabbath, you have this, on the 50th year, you have a jubilee mm-hmm. where everybody parties and rests and everybody, uh, you know, all debts are forgiven. All right. debt. I mean, like we're talking about uh, people talking about student loan forgiveness <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Well, actually, as much as I get, Hey, what are we doing when we do this? Are we encouraging bad behavior? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not trying to say that there are uh, th- there's only one way to look at it. I think there's there's a different uh, a number of different explanations and reasonings and all that kind of stuff. But biblically, you can't say that there is no place in the Bible where that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally what Jesus has done, right? He's wiped out our debt. But also, Old Testament, God's people are commanded to reset every 50 years. Right. Now, why is that not done? Because it's hard. (laughs) Because it requires an enormous amount of trust in God. 
because Definitely. it means the people that have Change the are the ones economy. who have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the people that have are the ones that have to give up the most. Mm-hmm. And the people that the have nots, right? They're the ones who have the most to gain. Easy for them. Yeah. But but they can't make they can't make it happen, right? It's the right, people right. that have that ultimately have to make that happen. Right. But but as far as an exercise in faith, the just shall live by faith, you said, right? Mm-hmm. I remember have distinctly, I've shared this story a few times in sermons, I think, uh, over the years, but there was a week, it's like probably about four years ago, three years ago maybe. And I was supposed to take uh, a trip around Christmas time, we were going to leave town and we were going to go visit family. And I forget why we didn't, but I wound up in my home for a staycation for about a week or 10 days until the new year. And because I was home, you know, my home office was there. uh, The church office was right down the road. There was this tremendous temptation to, uh, let me stop by the office and do a few things. And, and in particular, that year, that January, I had a whole bunch of stuff that I was going to be doing. Uh, it was going to take a lot of effort, really important stuff that I wanted to go well. I wanted it to go well, not just for me, but, but for God, right? And I can't tell you, I mean, like, I'm a Lutheran, and Lutherans don't talk about, like, hearing the voice of God. <laughs> I mean, like, we just don't, uh, getting a word from the Lord, you know? Like, that's just not how, how we speak, but I swear I heard the voice of God. <laughs> well, God doesn't have laryngitis. Yeah, no, he, he doesn't have laryngitis. <laughs> I mean, not, and, it, and it, was, it was my voice sort of, or like my inner voice. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like this external voice. I didn't hear the walls rumble or anything, but, right. but it was essentially this. It was... How in the world can you say you have any faith if you won't just be still and know that I am God? Mm -hmm. How can you get up in front of people (laughs) and tell them you have faith and encourage them to have faith and to teach them about faith? How can you do that if you can't sit still for seven days and just do nothing and enjoy your family and entrust Mm -hmm. it to me? And, and that's actually, so, so a Sabbath, while it can become very legalistic, and in fact it did with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is getting in trouble for healing on the Sabbath. Right, right. But the point of the Sabbath was to trust God. It was an actual exercise in faith. <laughs> it was saying, you know what? Every fiber of my being is saying Get out there and work those fields. They ain't going to work themselves, <laughs> right? Right, right. You, you're going to starve. Your family's going to starve if you don't work those fields. And they didn't, right? And, and when they're going through the wilderness, they got manna. They, it wasn't anything out there. They would go out to work, and it was like, well, unfruitful production, right? Like all this effort wasted, Um it was, uh, and then the people that were lazy that tried to collect more during the week, it's like, so God is saying, yes, you work. Absolutely, you work. Work, 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 but also rest. And when you rest, rest in me. Okay, so like this Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. I don't really have an Easter Sunday message prepared. Now, I'm going to try to think about it, especially since we, we, we're talking here. <laughs> and I'm going to try to do more of an Easter Sunday message than I probably have in the past. But 
from your talk of the Sabbath, I know that the Sabbath, Easter, and Christmas are for man, but man is not for Christmas, Easter, and, and the Sabbath, right? Okay, so uh, <laughs> I got the Sabbath one. Let me let me back up and try and unpack this, whatever that was. Yeah, so, so Jesus says in, in case i forget this sunday and i preach about something else i think it's more, more pressing <laughs> more pressing <laughs> what could be more pressing than telling people uh, that jesus is alive come on man i, I agree on the one hand <laughs> <laughs> on the one hand how about i smack you with two hands <laughs> you know uh, what, uh, what if i have a message on marriage this sunday and, and it saves a marriage or blah 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 i'm just you know what coming up with a hypothetical yeah you preach on Easter, you can save a marriage and you can save an addict and you can save because you can tell them this is the one Sunday a year where a Lutheran can legitimately sound like a prosperity preacher. (laughs) (laughs) It's the cure for everything. Well, because (laughs) if Jesus rose from the dead, the thing that's so remarkable about that is, you know, I think God's people, the old Testament people, they, they were in some ways expecting resurrection. You know, you do have the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Your so marriage can be resurrected. Yeah. So so if, that, if that, that's along the lines of something I might do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's not just about marriage. It's right, right. it's that uh the kingdom of God has begun. Mm-hmm. And in the kingdom of God the the hopeless is no longer hope, <laughs> hopeless. It's it's hopeful. There's always hope. Uh, and it and it falls right around Passover. And Passover was when God entered into their situation in the present, right? And he rescued them from slavery. He wasn't some distant God, and it wasn't just some eternal reward. It was a God who entered into the present and did something unbelievable, right? Like he, he mm-hmm. made himself real in history, by leading them out of Egypt and across the Red Sea on dry ground. And the same thing here where he takes his son, who's dead and buried, and raises him up, gives him life. And and that's a message to us that you follow Jesus. His death is your death. His death is, is payment for your sins. His resurrection is hope always mm-hmm. that, yes, in history, now, in the present, Resurrection happens. New life happens. Uh, people overcome things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, that's not maybe a popular Lutheran <laughs> topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and certainly you got to be careful. But it should make us brave. It should make us bold. It should make, you know, like uh, one of the things, well, I don't want to spoil my Easter Sunday sermon, but, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the early Christians, what was some of the crazy things that they did? Well, one of them was they were thrown to the lions, mm-hmm. but the historians that write about it, they, they are shocked at the way they die, right? So in those cases, they didn't overcome, right? So, so the resurrection doesn't mean always every time you overcome, but it gives you confidence that even if you don't overcome now, there is also that future where you will overcome all of these things. And in fact, these things that were so bad, somehow in the future, it's actually going to be better that they happen. Like God's going to take them and transform them and redeem them and resurrect them. And it's going to be like, I mean, I can't, there's no way to really explain it other than just to say that. Um, Well, I can guarantee 
that I'll give a mini Easter sermon at least because we don't count the Sundays in Lent. Right. <laughs> Every message I give it has the, the charisma. That's what I try. The life, death, burial, resurrection. Nice. Of Jesus. It should. Right. right. And uh, a lot of those ordinance <laughs> preachers leave that out. That's right. You know. Um, well, I, I think that's changing. I, I do think that the charisma that you're talking about, the preaching of the work of Christ mm-hmm. uh, is, is becoming more central. But, man, if it's not central to a sermon, it's not a sermon for a Lutheran. You know? I, I'm, I'm not an ordinance preacher. I'm, I'm an ordinan. I like the Amish. <laughs> <laughs> ordinan or ordinung or ordin... Uh, I don't know. Hey, uh, ordinance folks, love you. Just want you to know that. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't sound like it. But uh, uh, Brother Greg here baited me into a... I'm good at that. <laughs> a, a, you know, just please don't cancel us. Please. We uh, love Jesus too. And uh, hopefully we'll see Jesus again soon and we'll get all this cleared up or we just stop caring about it. Amen. All right. So now I love the variety of the body of Christ and my, I have a little bit of a calling to be a juggernaut to, to tear down walls between ethnicities, denominations, non-denominations, politics. That, that's just the nature of my calling. Well, that's why you're here. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Right. Cause uh, on Thursdays, I've had Roman Catholics in here. Yeah, yeah. Charismatic Catholics, but Catholics, Roman Catholics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think just sitting down with some Catholics, well, on one hand, it could actually be dangerous in such a Catholic <laughs> town. You know, you got the folks like in your little comment thread on Facebook oh, for yeah, Ash yeah. Wednesday. I mean, like, oh, my goodness, yeah. he's sitting down with it's, Catholics. It's, oh. it's not as Catholic on the North Shore. It's, it's more New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh Yeah. So traditions, yeah, they can be dead. They can be unhelpful. They can suck the life out of your faith. But they're not intended to when you understand why we're doing what we're doing. And hopefully this has been helpful in that while we danced around quite a bit. But uh, Mm -hmm. Had to make it fun. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We may need to do more of that, and, and it could get dangerous, but it could also uh, wind up being more fun for us and, and more yep, interesting yep. for folks that might yes. tune in. So Earnestly contend for the faith. <laughs> Just don't come to blows, right? That's right. All right. Well, hey, good to be with you. I'm sure you got some other things to do. I got a lot more to do this week. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, thank Brother Greg for coming. Let me see if this is the right button. No. Oh, no, that's not it. There it is. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, reminiscent of the, the crowds on Palm Sunday as Jesus came into Jerusalem. And hope you can join us or someone else for Holy Week and to celebrate the climax of Jesus' uh, ministry. And the most important thing, the only reason why we have churches and Christians is because of what takes place in the the next 72 hours, 96 hours. So uh, Mm -hmm. tune in somewhere, somehow. And may I'm I'm coming. If I'm around here, I'm I'm getting my feet washed and I'm going to do something. Good, good. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, tune in somewhere and make sure that you you understand the the reason for why I can say and so many others can say that Jesus is so sweet.
All right, y'all. God bless you. Happy Holy Week. See ya.